You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Rewind. Miss Murray, though I am a beast, do not think I am stupid. I know that I am hideous and hateful. I am not loved, nor ever hope to be. Nor am I fool enough to think that what I feel for you is love. But in this world alone, I do not hate you. And alone in this world, you do not hate me. Hello and welcome to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and along with me is my good friend and co-host, Mrs. Rachel Zelag. Hola! In this episode, we conclude our theme of shoulda, coulda, woulda, films that should have, could have, or would have worked, and we're going to take some time while we're talking about the film to suggest what we might have done, which would have maybe improved the movie, which maybe will be the majority of... <laughs> what we're talking well, about luck. because maybe it needed a little bit of help for our final discussion with this theme we're going with the 2003 film the league of extraordinary gentlemen before getting into our discussion we would like to mention that we are proud members of the deliberate noise <laughs> network head over to deliberatenoise.com and check out some of the other shows that are over there mrs z lag you got a big day tomorrow what are you uh drinking ahead of your big day I am drinking. It's from Infusion Brewing Company in Omaha. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. um, It's the Vanilla Bean Key Lime Blonde. (laughs) (laughs) It is the... We're going to tag every white girl we can possibly with this. Lots title. of things going on. So so I told you this earlier, but I had to go get a dark beer for like a French dip that we were making in the crock pot. So, of course, I got Third Stone Brown from Empyrean. Yes. And then I got all these summer beers. And this one has a summery label and it looks summery. And I was like, um, yeah, pile it on. Hmm. So. It does taste like key lime, and it's 4.8% alcohol, so that's exciting. Interesting. That is interesting. Um, coincidentally enough, for people that didn't know, we are from Nebraska, and I am also going with a local brew. It is from the aptly titled Nebraska Brewing Company. Smart. It is the Cardinal Pale Ale, and it, first of all, it says world class in every glass. Which I like that. Uh, that should be on my business card. <laughs> and it says, Our pale ale is deep golden in color and characterized by a huge citrus-like aroma with medium maltness and elevated bitterness. Cardinal Pale Ale, the heart of Nebraska Brewing Company, is where it all began so many years ago. Sounds hoppy. And this guy is 6% alcohol. Oh, God, you got to beat me, huh? I know. It's like a little uh, measuring stick. And it is a whopping 42 IBUs. What's that? uh, It judges how hoppy it is, basically. That's disgusting. And so that's that's kind of high, but I think an IPA is generally a little bit higher than that. I don't don't really get a lot of IPA from it when I drink it, though. Just a citrus? One of the thing, yeah, just a little citrus. One of the things that is pretty intense about it, and while I open my second, which, second one, which I have on standby here, just to be sure, yeah, just just in case, so it's going to be a rough discussion. I have a feeling. Fair. Yeah. Um, is when you pop the the top, the tab off of this, the entire top comes with it. Oh, it's old school. It's one of those guys. 
So it's not just the little tiny little, I got my mouth open a little inch kind of a thing. It's like, a, you know what, you want to slam this whole thing? Here you go. You better have a big mouth, sucker. <laughs> That's also something you could put on your uh, <laughs> business card. <laughs> okay so th- that's what we're drinking um i also had several drinks while i was watching this movie because it kind of forced me to yeah and I think, yeah i think at this point we're ready to begin our discussion the film is from 2003 <clears throat> it is the league of extraordinary gentlemen their powers are legendary are unknown. Their methods are extreme. But when our future's at stake, they'll be the world's last hope. And the game is on. gentlemen by anonymous period because that's where you put one of those renowned adventurer alan quartermain leads a team of extraordinary figures with legendary powers to battle the technological terror of a madman known as the phantom oh boy this league comprises seafarer slash inventor Captain Nemo, vampiris Mina Harker, an invisible man named Rodney Skinner, American Secret Service agent Tom Sawyer, the ageless and invincible Dorian Gray, and the dangerous split personality of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. So that was written by Anonymous. There's yeah. reasons why he has not become famous. <laughs> Just going with Anonymous. Anonymous. That's his first and last name. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Anonymous for, to you. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty like that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into our discussion. Have you seen this before, Cruz? Tell me what you know about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I I read the graphic novel. I, I know there is there more than one. Like yeah, the there, there are. Well, there's two main ones. And then, well, there's two basic name Basically, like, there's Volume 1, Volume 2, and then there's a bunch of little mini-series and sure. that sort of thing. Okay, so I'm pretty sure I read Volume 1. Mm-hmm. I, I just dabbled it to see what it was about, because it's... Okay, well, I don't want to get a overly themey here, but the premise is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an English major, you know, all of these literary characters come and hang out with each other, and that's pretty fun. Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't think I had seen this movie, because there were... If I did, I fell asleep and, like, didn't get back to it because I didn't remember any of it. So I remember, like, Sean Connery was wearing, like, like uh, African safari clothes, and that was mm-hmm. pretty good. So I hadn't seen this. Let's just say that. Short answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> so another interesting behind-the-recording thing is you read this book before I did. Even though that you borrowed it from me. From you. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had it for a while, and I just kind of never really felt like reading it. Because I think that part part of the issue with me is 
when it's Alan Moore, like it feels a bit of a chore when you're reading him. Well, it's, it's concentration. It's not like easy reading. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to like commit, you have to be in there. You can't just read a passage and then hope that you can catch up with whatever you skipped in the next paragraph. Yeah. yeah. It's not a summary beach read kind of a, Right, kind of a story. Right. It's like, all right, this is gonna, this is alluding to this, and there's probably some sort of something that he's telling me that I don't quite pick up, and it's real dense, real dense storytelling. Yeah. Yes, uh, dense. That's a good word. Yeah, and so, so I was also intrigued by the whole uh, literary characters and the idea of them all coming together, and I thought that that was interesting. I was kind of surprised that the movie decided to go with more instead of less in terms of the characters that they bring in because in the books you have uh miss murray who goes by miss murray has to not give away who she is right you have nemo you have quartermain you have an invisible man because they don't have the rights for the invisible man right and then you have jekyll and hyde and then in the in the movie we add tom sawyer and we'll talk about that and then you also add Dorian Gray, but you lose you lose the Bond guy, and you lose, uh, well, you you lose the main villain basically too. Right. So, I mean, some of that, some of that, I guess, like I, I kind of, I guess, well, talking about the movie itself, I, I think that the most successful addition that they had was I kind of enjoyed the Dorian Gray character. Yeah, he was okay, and he, um. The thing that, that got me is, like, they were named, quote-unquote, but they were, like, out of context <laughs> of any story that they would ever have been a part of. Yeah. So that, I don't understand why that choice was made. Like, let's put this, like, childlike FBI agent. Who do we know that's a kid in a book? Okay, well, let's do this. And and it just didn't connect for me. Mm-hmm. With, no. with many things. Yeah. Oh, I think that you're completely right. So overall, I thought, well, let's just do the overall. I thought the movie was terrible. Like it, it fit into all of the sort of uh, notions that I'd heard about the film going into watching it. Like I'd heard that it was terrible. I heard that uh, Mr. Norrington and Mr. Connery, the director and obviously the main star, did not get along. That there was a, uh, there's a rumored. Um, there was a rumored fight. There's Sean Connery. This is the last main film that he did. I don't believe that uh, Stephen Norrington has done anything really after this. I know that he directed Blade, uh, which was you know kind of the the first real successful comic book property from Marvel in the in the late '90s. And then he gets this, and he that's it. <laughs> like he hasn't done anything in the past 15 years. So there's that. He does uh, work on special effects, it looks like, but not uh, not anything directing-wise. Put a bad taste in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean Connery was an executive producer on this. Uh-huh. That was probably part of the deal. I know that he took quite a lot of money, um, and so that didn't leave a lot of room in the budget for much else. Got it. It was kind of like, how bad do you want me to be this character and they said oh and quarter this amount of dollars and he said okay i'll do that 
Interesting. I'll do that for that many dollars. Yeah. So this is the last movie that he he made. He, I mean, he's done some. They've taken some voice stuff from him from I'm assuming previ- previous recordings, but but this is the only thing that he's he's done, which is a real sad way to sort of end. Right. Rest in peace, man. No, wait. He's still alive. <laughs> yeah, right? he's still alive. It's just, <laughs> he just hasn't done anything. He's officially retired. Well, he's been outspoken about, like, movies that he doesn't enjoy. Didn't he say he was sick of doing Bond movies? Mm-hmm. Like, he's never been one to just kind of gloss over and, you know, he's a, he speaks his Scottish mind. Yes, he does. Well, he, he didn't like the Bond movies until they came back and said, hey, what about these dollars? And he said, oh, yeah, I like them fine. I'll do another one. <laughs> I like the doll hairs. Thank yeah. you. And then, you know, when I sort of... Uh, was was uh, watching more and more films. It was when The Rock had come out, and Rising Sun was out, and of course he was the the king in Robin Hood, Prince of Ac- of Accents. <laughs> when oh. when old uh, Kevin Costner decides to be American, even though it's in England, right? Just because he probably, I, I can just imagine his voice coach being like, you know what? We're just gonna, you're just gonna be American. Yeah. Just- just say something about baseball. It's fine. But we've already shot 40% of the movie. I don't care. Right? I'm not doing this anymore. He talks like <laughs> the people from Monty Python. <laughs> Hello, governor. That would be like, really funny. Tis yeah. about a scratch. He gets right? that when he gets the arrow in the hand. <laughs> that would have been really good, actually. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking about uh, Men in Tights instead of Prince of Thieves. Oh, see, that's actually one of that's my favorite Robin Hood movie. Besides. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. That's that was a four hundred and four or a three sixty five and three sixty five movie. Oh, I was it? I hadn't seen it at the time, and I like, I was like choking laughing. <laughs> like that was easily the hardest I laughed through all of those films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So overall, what did you think of uh, this film, Bruce? Just give me like a summary. Um, the thing that I liked the most was the words at the beginning. I thought that was fun. Really. Yeah. Hmm. Um, other than that, I didn't care for it. That's funny because I put, I don't like these words. I don't like the titles at the beginning. <laughs> I didn't like the titles. I liked the moving words. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, okay. Sure. Yes. Like the, the font of the titles I could take or leave. But I like when, when it's, and it, well, I mean, I thought it was like it's done where the words like move with the screen and the buildings. Uh huh. In movies, like when it's like well done, um, I like that instead of just like, a blurb in the middle that's like cap capital letter fonts. So I would say that's probably the best part of the movie. Yikes. Is the beginning with the letters. Reading um, endorsement. The, I just didn't give a shit about any of the characters. <laughs> um, like by the time that quote unquote twist came about, I was like, whatever. Like I, I wasn't shocked, you know, I was just like, Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted it to be over, to be honest. It oh, just, yeah. there, there wasn't any, anyone relatable. I mean, the closest thing was a lady vampire scientist. So, you know, <laughs> yep. I don't know. Anyway. Well, the thing that was interesting to me about, uh, about the actual runtime, cause you said that it, you couldn't wait for it to be over. Right. right? Is looking at it. I could swear this movie was three hours long. (laughs) You know? And looking at the runtime right here, it's an hour 50. So it's not even in the more modern times right 
what we're at right now, where everything that's an action film has to be at least two and a half hours. Well, because the first hour and a half is backstory. Right. <laughs> so this is an hour 50, and it feels like I'm sitting through that Marvel marathon where they watched everything from Iron Man to Infinity War in a row. Like, that's Who what it felt that? like. Oh, it was some uh, theaters do that. That's ridiculous. Each time a new, uh, each time a new Marvel movie comes out, they'll like play them all in a row. No, you know how many times I have to go to the bathroom. Oh well, you know how many times I'd have to go to the bar. Fair. And be like, I've seen this. It's fine. I don't remember what happened in Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, really. I just I'd be in not great shape by the time that would be over. Okay, so here's kind of what I liked so far about the film. I kind of like the way that Quartermain was introduced. Yeah. With with the whole, you know, it's, there's a guy that's pretending to be him, and so that way he can kind of hide. And again, I know that we like to say, especially in the the movie that shall not be named, is that what we're calling the snowman? Uh, (laughs) I thought you were thinking about old boy. (laughs) I like that. This one has a reason behind why we can't really say, just do it like the book. Like in the book, Alan Quartermain, who I've never read this character. So that doesn't give me any sort of like, oh, Alan Quartermain doesn't sound like how he's, but you know, I don't have any reference for that. Yeah. But he is an opium addict in the book. Right. And he's like, you know, struggling his way out of it and he's really weak and sick looking. And allegedly Connery just showed up and said, yeah, I'm not doing the opium thing. So you're going to have to find out a new way for me to do this. God. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's like, if you've got that sort of clout, I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want, but I'm, I mean, this just screams of a payday for him and that's it. Like he didn't care. didn't try. Right. That's like Daniel Radcliffe being like, I'm not sure about the magic part. Of Harry Potter. Can't we just be like a regular dude? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm tired of pulling my hair up and showing this fucking scar. Can we just get rid of it? Like, I don't even... Can it just be on my face? I'm trying to get my hair short. It's out of style. Can we just get rid of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that since they couldn't do that, I thought it was a decent workaround. But the main thing that I miss from that is in the book... And how it could so easily be translated to the movies is he is a guy that's struggling. He is a guy that's down on his luck. He gives you someone to root for. Right. Who's trying to, like, regain his past glory and that sort of thing. Because nobody cares about a guy that can shoot everybody. No. He doesn't have any. And I I did like the introduction, but it was, oh, it's a different old white guy. (laughs) Yeah. It's not this white-haired guy. It's, it's other this white-haired other white-haired guy. Other white-haired guy, which I understand, like, you know, your legend precedes you. You're 70,000 years old, but mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, and he just could not give a fuck whenever the whole building got blown up. Oh, my God, so they no. the building right at the, end, at the beginning, and he's like, There were oh. people in there. There was, like, the bartender was in there. Meh. I don't have to pay my they're bill. Like, oh. They're like, cut, let's do it again with a little more emotion. He's like, nope. Moving on. Moving on. Let's just shoot this in chronological order. Yeah, really. Um, Okay, so the next thing that I I wrote down was, I just don't, I just don't get why we have Tom Sawyer in this movie. Yeah. Well, I, yes, you do. It was a really shitty attempt 
at a backstory for Alan Quartermain. It was. And again, according to IMDb, the not on screen reason is because they wanted to appeal to American audiences. Oh, now so think about that. Am I, as someone from middle America, USA, going to think, oh shit, Tom Sawyer's in this? Well, sign me up. <laughs> Tom Sawyer, that is a reference that I, I mean, come That's how I'm going to get you to watch any movie. I'm like, I heard Tom Sawyer was in it. So, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't know. That doesn't seem that good. Guys, don't tell anyone, but Tom Sawyer's. Tom Sawyer, he's, he's, he's rumored to be, uh, you know, hooked up, connected to the project. Yeah. So. He's, he's rumored to be involved. I don't think it's credited, but. To be fair, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick, but. Half of America's like, who the fuck is Tom Sawyer? Oh, absolutely. And that, that even proved my point further because I think that, you know, as fellow English majors, I've read Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer and all that sort of stuff, right? I like Mark Twain fine. I haven't but, read it. Oh, you haven't read it? No. I mean, it's not anything because here's the deal about it. Shane West playing Tom Sawyer. It's not like Tom Sawyer is 35 years old in the movie. He's a kid. So he grows up and is like, wants to be this Alan Court. I mean, it's just all complete bullshit that's just only, made up for the movie. They made up a character, and I feel like at the last minute, they're like, he needs, let's just name him something that has nothing to do with his actual character in any book. Yeah. Let's just name him something booky. All right. Yes. How about Mark Twain? Mark I just Twain. feel like they got a bunch of books from that time period and we're just like looking through them being like, um, yeah. Oh God. Uh, where Lenore. Hell, where the hell was Hester at? That's what I want to know. Hester <laughs> Pran, where were you? I mean, it's just, it's the same sort of thing as the, as the, um, call me Ishmael, the opening line. Oh from my Dick. God. Ugh, ugh. I saw oh. that and went like, ah, oh. you know, because when, I read Moby Dick. It was a uh, Emily Dickinson, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Herman Melville class. That right? sounds awful. It was just those three. And I loved Moby Dick. And I loved all the wailing things in the middle. And people can F off because I know that that's such a... <laughs> nobody likes the parts about the whales and it's so incorrect. <laughs> I don't care. I loved it. And so anyway... I loved the whales. Loved the whales. <laughs> <laughs> and so that we spent a whole class period talking about the way that that first sentence is constructed and the different ways you could read call me Ishmael. It could be someone dying. It could be someone saying it casually. It can be whatever. You can read it, do it however you want. And that totally sets up the way that you're going to read the rest of the book. Mm. And for this to just be a throwaway, like, in the rain, oh, call me Ishmael. I was like, get the fuck out of here with this. No, it was like a intern that was oh. tasked looking up random literary references. Ugh. You like, know, there hey, was a... Moby there was Dick, a, I hear that's a thing. Let's do this. Seriously, that's kind of like, it was just a, like a throw, there are so many throwaway non-reasons to put something in here. And I told you about that that show, Penny Dreadful. Oh, yeah, yeah. That does a great job of taking characters and putting them in a quote-unquote new setting, but with the background context 
being really helpful for you to understand their character. Like if you want to see a show that did it right, Penny Dreadful did it right, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Okay. Now, I have seen maybe two episodes of that so far, and I liked it fine. I think it was one of those where it was similar to reading Alan Moore, where I was like, hmm, this is going to make me think about, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yep. And so I better be watching it and not sort of, like, taking notes and doing, uh, you know, like, writing down what I'm going to do tomorrow and doing all this kind of stuff while it's on. Yeah. I I mean, I watched it one day, like... I watched like four episodes one day when I was hungover and I couldn't do anything else. So it was really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It's like the best thing you can say about it. My recommendation is. Yeah. That should be on the top of a poster someday. Be good stuff. So. Best ever watch. Yeah. So one of the things that if this was made today, and I think this is one of my notes is If this was made in 2018, one of the things that would be, I I hope, true to the book instead of being altered the way that it was, is it would be led by Mina Murray slash Mina Harker, played in this by Peter Wilson, instead of being Alan Quartermain as the main guy. I said that, too, in my notes. I said, um, how come he's in charge? Like, nobody, there wasn't a discussion about it. He's like, I'm in charge here. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't, I thought that was weird too. Plus they're all very like skill oriented. So I mean, quote unquote, the Avengers Captain America is sort of in charge, but like not really. Cause nobody else would let that fly. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing that's interesting is, you know, I think the dynamic of, and then this works for Avengers somewhat too, is, is you have all of these different characters who are literally the heroes of their own tale. Right. Right of their own famous story. And then you put them all together. Well, how does that sort out? Like who's going to take control? Some of them are obviously going to both want to be in charge. Like you would have thought that Quartermain and Nemo would have both wanted to be in charge, but Nemo was a complete non-entity in the movie. Like he wasn't, he didn't do anything. And Avengers plays with that a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. like the relationship dynamics when they all get together. Uh, But this didn't, they just like assumed the roles that, you know, like Sean Connery's in charge and we're all just doing our little scenes until he can be on the screen again. And I agree. I think in 2018, um, she would be the lead for sure. And it would have been so nice if she would have just gone by Mina Murray the whole time. Cause I was like, who the fuck is Mina Murray? Like what, who is this? Right. Right. Cause I read it right before I watched the movie. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't know this reference. Like, I don't know who this is. And in the book, she doesn't do anything that's like vampire style at all. Right. Okay. I was confused about that too. I liked that part though, because she said, you know, like what makes you think that I need protecting, which Mm. is, you know, Mm -hmm. nice. So she wasn't just like the, she wasn't there to be the damsel in distress. And I appreciated that part, but. I like that too, but think of the way that they could have played around with having that be part of the third act instead of the first act and then not really used again. Right. And also she like was there to kiss people, which is annoying. Uh Uh-huh. She really was. She was there to kiss people and then she was there for the invisible man to be like, oh, what about blah, blah, blah. Ooh, I'm glad I got to grab your ass. Yeah. And so it would have, it would have made more sense to me is if, 
she's leading this group. Quartermain doesn't really know why, especially with Sean Connery, because he doesn't want to play second fiddle to a woman, of all things, right? Right. And then we get to the third act, and he's trying to save her, and she's actually kicking everyone's ass and killing all these people and biting the shit out of them. Right. And then well, she's I mean, like, would you think I would need protection? Right. And it would have made more sense if he were, you know, struggling with drug addiction, that he wouldn't be able to lead and somebody else would, you know, take the reins, but... And then one of the things that I thought was the most successful from the book is I like that we do have the sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing, which, you know, I I always say that it's written by this person, but Kevin O'Neill is the artist of the book, and he's also just as influential for the story as Alan Moore. And I love the way that he portrays Edward Hyde, and this was some kind of hot mess with the CGI slash makeup for the oh Hyde God. character. I wrote the Holy CGI moly. and this is second to none. <laughs> Just great. Holy shit, is it bad? And so I I would have liked, I don't know, I like towards the end to where Hyde is this sort of known killer and he's a psychopath. And in the book, he can see Skinner even when he's inv- invisible. And he kind of keeps that to himself and is like a little smarter than he leads on and that sort of thing. And we have... All of that, and then they have the big climactic battle with James Moriarty, and in the book, Nemo and Hyde are sort of at the front line, and they're taking down everyone. And the people that are watching, so Mina and Quartermain, are frightened more by Nemo and the way that he's sort of just let loose and is just mowing people down with these machine gun things that he's created. Got it. And they're more scared of him than they are of Hyde because he's just kind of like this this wild man that they don't know, that they didn't really know was in him, kind of. Yeah. And I thought that that was interesting because otherwise he doesn't do anything in this entire film. He has a giant boat. Yeah, he's got the Nautilus and that's it. And he just is like, yeah, we're going this way. I wonder wonder how much of that was influenced, like if he had a bigger part and then... It got cut or something. Who knows? Yeah, no. I don't know. So the the Jekyll and Hyde thing confused me a little bit. I think that they tried to say that Hyde was smarter than just a crazy... It, he, You know, immediately I'm like, oh, they have their own Hulk. But it, he has a little bit more cognition, like you said, than I would... Than I think Hulk does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the potions thing or whatever what does he call it my solutions or whatever mm-hmm. um i'm really confused by that so if you drink a whole lot you turn into like a red face devil crazy person yeah like a super hulk so like why wouldn't he just drink like a little bit and bulk up because hmm. like basically his personality i feel like is two ends of the spectrum like he's a timid little you know, sniveling guy over here that wouldn't, you know, you, you won't say something you only watch. And then he's like this guy that busts balls. But like, what if you cut your little potion in half, then you would be like a normal person. (laughs) And I feel like if you're a doctor, you should probably have figured that out by now. Well, especially, I mean, because, so you have your examples that they use, right? You have the guy that drinks way too much and he's huge. Right. And, which, I don't know, I feel like that completely just takes the piss out of the whole Hyde thing. Because it's like, well, here's a dude that's way bigger and stronger than you. 
Like, you're supposed to be the big dude. And I don't know if they wanted to, like, I think they should have, since we're saying, like, regardless of how much you drink, it turns you into this person. Like, Mm -hmm. this person. And you you can't, like, the, the amounts don't affect that because it was just really odd and and I didn't it that part was super annoying to me to be honest like he has a huge huge guy now and right I don't know yeah it's all degrees it's like I think you're exactly right you turn into this one form that's how you are depending it doesn't matter how much you drink it could be like a duration thing where you can right. drink more and you can be like that longer or something but right but yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because if he's fighting it, he's that's what that's what his his shtick is. He's fighting being this person. He wants to do it. It's kind of like a drug to him, you know, it makes him feel good or powerful or whatever. Like if you're like the solution in this scenario prevent presents itself as take a little bit. <laughs> like it just it just didn't make sense to me that like that yeah. was the thing that nobody had like, that was a plot hole that nobody had thought of, I guess. Moderation is the key. Just for that, not with liquor. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the key for this episode, kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're drinking some experimental juice, just take some of it. Yeah, just a little, something you cooked up in your lab, but if it's vodka, then whatever, it, everything goes. <laughs> that's really what it was. And that, right. And the guy, you know, saw the... special juice and it's just vodka. That would be mine. I would just have little <laughs> vials of vodka. It was vodka, and then, like, the Huskers lost, and then all of Nebraska turned into that. That's kind of how it would be. That red scary. <laughs> I don't know. Half of Nebraska usually just turns into sad Dr. Jekyll. And That's true. Cries and sobs. Stuff. Yeah. Football team. So, one of the things that was an addition to the film, and, it, and spoilers, this is the sort of twist, was Dorian Gray. And it was acted or performed by Stuart Townsend, who... If people, I mean, this is widely known, but if people didn't know this already, he was originally Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, and then they filmed with him for, I think it was like a week or so, and then they said, look, bro, this isn't, this isn't working. Oh, and so no. And he was fired. And so he was fired because he was playing, he was like, just played it too long, too young, basically, to where they couldn't, it just wasn't working out. Which one is Aragorn? Uh, the guy, the, the main guy. It was Strider at the beginning, and then uh, is the guy that helps the hobbits in the first one, and then he he's the uh, the Return of the King. He's the king. Oh, he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know why I can't think of of his name. Yeah, guy yeah. guy that is he like Australian or something? Anyway, something like that. But he was in you know he's in Eastern Promises and a whole bunch of movies. The Road Super wasn't he in guy. The Road? Yeah. Yes. I would look it up, but I don't. I am. Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen. My God. I can't believe. That's shameful that I can't remember who that is. It's fine. It's not like you forgot Guy Pierce or anything. <laughs> can't forget your favorite guy. Right. Can't forget. So they added Dorian Gray. And when I saw this trailer, which is laughable, by the way, we've, we've already heard it <laughs> in the show, but with the whole LXG and trying to like hype it up and make what did you say something about uh can't even remember what you said about it but you're basically you couldn't uh ah oh, shit about when he was and when he said the horriblest thing i've ever heard what did he say 
bomb voyage. Oh, yeah. Talk, let's talk about that real quick. Oh, God. I texted you because, I mean, like, I I rolled my eyes at the Call Me Ishmael, and I had let some other really dumb one-liners just go. And then the fake relationship with the son, like, there were things that I was just okay with. But that just put me over <laughs> the edge, I think. I was like, no. So I texted you. I don't know what I said. It was like, Jesus Christ, bomb voyage. And then you just laughed and said, are you having like a good time watching this movie? Mm-hmm. And then I had to watch Incredibles after that, <laughs> the taste out of my mouth. And the, the, one of the main guys at the beginning is French and his name is bomb voyage. And I'm like, I can't get away <laughs> from this stupid phrase. Yeah. That was really funny. It was funny. That was very good. I appreciated the second one way better than the first. Mm. God, what is, that's like, that's like stick around from Predator. Oh yeah. That's all that <laughs> I immediately went to that. That's right. So and that, that movie was made to be stupid. Yeah. There was, it was like little, like, uh, you know, kind of like horror films where you have, um, little sayings like that or, or most Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, if I'm being right. honest. And he knows what he's doing. So mm-hmm. like this, this to me, in the shoulda, woulda, coulda, if I would help remake this, it would be so effing witty. It would be so well written. Like, we would not even think about so many things before we got the dialogue just nailed. Because mm-hmm. that's what I think is totally missing from this movie. Yeah, I think you're completely right. The thing that I was looking for from the trailer, it's uh, when they say LXG and, and then they say the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, and God. I sent that to you, and you and you responded by saying, "Don't try to church it up." <laughs> Dirt. <laughs> Dirt. Yeah. So oh, that was uh, that's what I was talking about about the LXG thing, which was completely ridiculous. They're just trying to make it like hip and cool or something, starring Sean Connery. X Force. <laughs> My goodness. So Stuart Towns and Dorian Gray. What I was trying to get to was he wasn't in the book. No. And. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde is a mo- is a book that I really enjoyed again in college. Yeah, me too. And so when he was in this, I was like, "Oh, awesome. Like that'll be cool." And it was kind of neat that he was basically immortal, but then I was like, oh, "Wait a minute. You had the vampire girl and she's basically immortal too, and you have the invisible invisible guy, he's basically immortal too." Like how many and fucking Sean immortal Connery doesn't leave Africa, he can't die. Yeah, it's like how many immortal people do you need in this dang thing? Right, so then it's like, oh, hey, so this one immortal guy, he turned his back on the other immortal people. Okay, so what? Yeah, like, he's like, you might have known I was the rat. And I'm like, I didn't know there was a a rat. Like, I didn't (laughs) understand that to begin with. I'm sorry, did, were we supposed, this was just a departed? Like, I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're really, you're really fixed in there like you were with the departed, right? (laughs) We just watched it the other day. Um. Yeah, so I like I said, by the time that happened, okay. First of all, the Moriarty, Moriarty, how do you say that? Moriarty, Moriarty, Moriarty. did not give a shit about that. Don't just throw in a Sherlock Holmes reference. That that pissed me off. Just I was done by that. Like M for Moriarty, I'm like no. Well, and it's weird because it's like M, and you have in the book you have you have M from Bond, and you have a Bond relative in the book. Right, and so you're like, oh, that could be that M. Um, Mina Murray, she thinks that it's Mycroft Holmes, 
is who she thinks the M stands for. Honestly, the best twist I can think of is if he would have said, it's a me, Mario. Like, <laughs> I'm going to win. I would have been like, what? <laughs> now I'm interested. Yeah. That would have been a whole huge plot twist. That would have been something. Yeah. But I mean, so we get to that and then we get to Dorian Gray, who basically is just like in the background of this movie going, yeah, it's me. I'm Dorian Gray. I'm supposed to be the sexy one. That's basically what I'm doing. I totally fucked you guys over. You're welcome. And like, they're, they're not devastated. Like even the, what's her name? Mina? Yeah. She's like, what? I mean, whatever. I could take it or leave it. Like nobody's really generally upset because there weren't any trust bonds broken because nobody really trusted each other. Like, you know, to use some like sports references, this was not a team. It was a group of stars that Mm -hmm. were not together yes that's exactly right nobody cared that you left because they had known you for four days and like nobody gave a shit about you because you weren't like hey you can trust me and then you broke those bonds like so i don't know that wasn't a plot twist and then of course we talked we already covered the bon voyage shit and then like by that time i honestly was like spacing out and looking at (laughs) i'd rather watch the ceiling and give a shit about the end of this movie Everyone was marveling at how bad Tom Sawyer's accent was to give a shit about what Dorian Gray was doing. And then, like, you, of course, know, spoilers, that, like, Sean Connery is going to get shot with Tom Sawyer in the room, teaching him, reteaching him how to shoot, because, like, the whole teaching him how to shoot off the boat was, like, they might have just written foreshadowing across the screen. Yeah, like a like a, um, like a studio copy, like a preview, where it's got right. that kind of, like, letterhead in the back. <laughs> yes, seriously, like foreshadowing to death episode of poorly written backstory of father slash son issues. Yeah. They, oh, they could have just had a guy with like a card that said that and I would have actually appreciated it more because I wouldn't have had to sit through the scene. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Oh, my God. I must have wrote I've got abysmal. I've got fuck this. I've got uh, let's see. No fucking clue. Uh, let's see. I've got. Oh, I've got fuck you written with, like, 17 U's in fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That was the last note that I put, so I must not have been real thrilled by the third act. I didn't write any notes after my Jekyll and Hyde conundrum. (laughs) I put bomb as a joke. I don't know what this is. Bomb as a joke. Nemo has no idea how much water. So I don't know what that means. I don't either. Yeah. I wrote, he must have he, said something about, oh, we've got this much water that's going to come into the ship or something like that. Maybe. That ship was like seven football fields long. Yeah. Which is so strange that they're going around in this town. Whatever. Right? Ugh. ugh. God. Like, the, the plot holes are so... Ugh. It makes me so mad. I don't even understand. Anyway, I wrote, if Sean Connery goes to Venice, doesn't Indiana Jones have to rescue him? <laughs> you would think so. And then, the other, right, the other note I have is, you're sweet and you're young, neither are traits that I hold in high regard. So I thought that was a good <laughs> quote, at least. That is a good quote. Another one for the business card. Right? <laughs> That's when you like, fire somebody, you just give them that. <laughs> oh my god, that would be awesome. So, okay, so who is your favorite character? How about my that? My favorite character, I mean, for as little as he does, I kind of like that they put Dorian Gray in the movie. Yeah. Just because I think that I like the fact that they beat him by the what happens in the book. 
Yeah. Like, he's killed by the third act of his own book. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's actually, like, references to the text that he's from in this film. Yeah. The rest of them, it could just be, like, it could just be John Smith and John Smith 2. You know, it just had no point that they were called Alan Quartermain or, you know, or Tom Sawyer or whatever. It didn't matter. Yeah, I feel like the people who did the movie did not read any of the books. So, like, didn't Nemo have, like, a a boat or a canoe or something? Like, let's put that in there. He was an Indian guy, right? And then Dr. Jekyll, was he a dentist? He wasn't a dentist, right? That's different. That's a different doctor. Okay, okay. (laughs) The doctor is some kind. It doesn't matter. Find out what what he did. Oh, he turned into a monster. Well, that's fun. He turned into a monster? Oh, let's put that in there. That sounds good. Oh, fucking nailed it. Is that the book? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, what would your uh, who was your favorite character in the film? Um the first Alan Quartermain. <laughs> I I don't know. I liked Dorian Gray too because he was kind of sassy. Uh, I le- I liked Mina. Um she just was I don't know. I mean like none of the characters had any depth at all. Well, Here's one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet is we haven't really talked about the Invisible Man. Yeah, that's true. I and, didn't like him at all. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that. I don't know. I think that if you're a guy, and again, they had to. He just was a different name because they didn't have the rights to the original story. But if if you're an Invisible Man, why not write him like the absolute creepiest fucking guy, the slimiest, like worst person that nobody likes ever? Well, have you read The Invisible Man? Well, I mean, yeah, and I've seen that terrible Hollow Man Kevin Bacon movie. No, too. that's horrible. But like The Invisible Man, he like is a recluse and he's an asshole and he locks himself up and he in like his house and he doesn't want to talk to anybody. Like they could have gone a lot of different ways, but this guy's like, oh, me and my. Cousin Oliver, we's pickpockets, you know? Yeah. Like, I like to touch butts. He's right. Like doing that kind of stuff. And I have white makeup that I put on because they don't have the color peach in 1900. <laughs> yeah, and they don't want to... Apparently, they just don't want some dude doing voiceover, and they can't just say, what the fuck, where are you at, dude? Like, and the hey. CGI, when he puts the coat on, I'm like... Oh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just would... Like, I get that that's what the text is. I'm saying, why was that not the character... When they wrote him, like, just make him the creepiest dude that they, that no one wants to work with, but they realize that they have to have him because they have to go get something. They have to go get... He's like Rorschach, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They have to go get the, you know, the Hassenpfeffer from the bad guy. Did you just make that up? Is that no. what it is? Oh, and Elsa's Hassenpfeffer whenever she's looking for something. It's from Laverne and Shirley. Oh, really? I don't know. Wasn't it the... Anyway, regardless... I get what you're saying. Is that what they say? Hassan Pfeffer? Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. (laughs) I'll look it up when we're done recording. All right. Fair. (laughs) I get what you're saying, though, because, like, nobody... That's that's the thing. All the characters... Like, they basically just, like, did the whole roundup thing. Like, let's go get the band together. And nobody had any depth because they were too worried about saying the right name at the right time. And so nobody was super like everybody liked them and nobody was an asshole like they all just kind of meh worked together like nobody 
hated working with someone and nobody like loved working with someone. Even the yeah. people who apparently had known each other for years are like, Oh, it's good to see you. Oh, so, exactly. Like, they all well, just kind of had blah interactions. Well, and one of the things, and, and this is some, someone that you and I have both listened to, but one of the things that I hear all the time, whenever I'm listening to the story grid is having high highs and low lows for your characters. Yeah. Right? Having them go farther than what you have in their first draft and having them, like, reach a peak in a valley. Not yep. just kind of like, oh, we'll go up a little and down a little and up and a little and down a little. That's what they're doing character-wise. Like, everyone is so flat and blah. Yes. And no one reacts to anything. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. And I'm not saying it has to be, like, you know, soap opera to where it's, high and low for no reason and everyone's like oh shocked and all that kind of stuff but it's like you know the characters were just so plain and they just like we've said several times they they just were not characters they were just names right and they could have named this like i don't know the nautilus the after the ship and (laughs) changed all of the names and it would have been the exact same. Like, having it called the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and having these character names meant nothing. So do you know if they, if what Alan Moore's reaction was to this film? Oh, he hates all of the movies that are made off of his stuff. What else did he make? Well, he did Watchmen. Uh, yeah. Right. And he's he's just, you know, he's a, he's a wizard, Harry. He's a, he's a self-proclaimed wizard. And anyone who can confidently say that can do whatever they want in my book, to be honest with you. So, but I mean, like, just to, to, you know, have something that you wrote that you're proud of and then have someone just ruin it. Like, is there any legal discourse where you can watch it and be like, I will sue all of you? You know, I, that's funny that you say that because I believe he has tried to sue. That would make sense to me. Um, but he also did From Hell, that Johnny Depp film. Yeah. Um, he also was resp- he was the original writer of V for Vendetta. That, see, that's a good Yeah, I, I like that one fine. I think that that's why you can tell when, um, when they're doing all of the sort of alliteration. Yeah. When V is doing that, you can tell that that's straight from the text. Right. Do you think that just some stories, but that's bullshit because like, I was going to say some stories shouldn't be made into movies, but that graphic novel could have been made into a sweet ass movie. Oh, it could be great. It could be so good. That's one of the things that I wrote on here. I put, this could have been great. It could have. Not with any of the characters you assembled or maybe it just like wasn't. The right time, because it, it wasn't in the let's give 100% to making a graphic novel amazing on film. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we were in that era yet where we're like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's obviously way before the Avengers. So this was a pretty early, you know, I believe it was after X-Men, but it was like, hey, let's do an X-Men sort of thing with all of these literary characters. Right. But that's going to require way more depth of character than just X-Men, who X-Men, you know, I like the X-Men fine, but it's like these are types and that sort of thing. Do you do you think, honestly, though, that, like, 
literary characters from the early 20th century would translate now into a 2018 film? No. I think that if you're going to pick someone, it can't be Alan Quartermain, Captain Nemo. It's got to be someone... It's got to be, like, ultra-famous people for the U.S. If you're going to do a U.S. Hollywood film, it's got to be people... Jay Gatsby. Gatsby? Absolutely. It's got to be... You know, maybe Ahab from Moby Dick. Maybe. It's, maybe. It's got to be um, like the most famous Lenny. books you can think of. It's got to have from, uh, to, you got to have To Kill a Mockingbird oh, yeah, represented. Scout and Jim could be in it. Right? You've got to have someone from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey in there because all the fucking people no, will know who that is. No, we wouldn't do that because then I would have to sue the movie. Because <laughs> that book is... And the, all of that series of books are absolutely horrible and stupid. <laughs> but, you know, if you have those sorts of people, I mean, that's what it would have to be. It would have, it would, it couldn't be really like an action adventure movie because we have sort of moved on from the sort of pulp, uh, the pulp fiction. I can't, I don't even like saying that because of the movie now, but we've moved on from those sort of books anymore to where books are more about characters and emotions and feelings and that sort of thing and they're less about like oh i'm gonna go do an adventure i don't know you could do um like you could put like jack reacher and like mark watney from yeah and he's like the scientist Uh uh-huh i guess you could do it yeah uh there there are let me think like um i guess there'd be two jacks you could do like jack ryan but Uh he already has all his own movies um Jason Bourne, who's obviously been in films before. Right. But that's a pretty famous book and movie. Who else is like, I don't really read a lot of action books. Yeah, I don't either. I'm sure people that are listening are like, oh, it's obviously blank, blank, blank. Right. Who could put in? I don't know. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting if you did like American films and you did someone who the leader is not an action person, but more of a thinker, like a, mm-hmm. like a strategic person to where you'd have a couple of people on there that were action oriented that are like, let's go kick their ass. And they're like, let's just dial it back and think about this for a little bit. So there would be actual discussion on what's going on. Yeah. I think, I think the hardest part is finding the time in a screenplay to introduce to people who don't know the characters, who everyone is, but doing so in such a short way to where the people that do know the characters aren't like, oh, I fucking know. Everybody yeah, knows who this is. Oh, my God. He lived in West Egg. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I get it. He's obsessed with the girl. What's he going to do? You know, that kind of <laughs> What's he going to do? Die in a pool? Um, <laughs> but I think it would be like, like Ready Player One, how the movie references are just very... Um, easily recognizable pop culture. So you wouldn't have to give a whole lot of backstory. So like do the, the, the most, the, you know, more famous characters. And if somebody goes and doesn't understand it, then like go read a book. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> read a book. You illiterate son of a bitch. Right. Kind <laughs> Step of. up your like, vocab. You go and you're like, who, who scout? Then like go read. Oh. Like if anything, it should it could okay. We could work with, um, you know, like read for America and be like, okay, who do you want people to know? Like which characters? We could do. Um, what the hell is that kid's name from Catcher in the Rye? 
Holden Caulfield. Holden Caulfield. We could do him. He could be like the weird guy that won't shut up and everybody wants to slap him. Ooh, Cruz, how about this? Technical Sergeant Garp. Oh, my God. T.S. Garp. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to. He can't even talk to you until he goes for his run. Like He's he going to run his five miles. He's going to wrestle the shit out of some people. He's going to probably have some sort of horrific accident in a car. He has to talk to you about Exeter for a little bit. Holy shit. And after that, he's good. God, that, John Irving's so good. He's so good. Do you know that? Mm. Okay, so I think our next idea is to make the um, kick-ass league of American extraordinary people. <laughs> That's right. It's got to be people. can't be gentlemen. Extraordinaries. <laughs> the extraordinaries, yes. The extraordinaries. It can't be the Incredibles that's taken. Well, we could put Harry Potter in there because I mean, have magic. Except for oh, he's yeah. British. Yeah, I guess we could put Harry Potter in there. What about? Uh, oh, there's yeah. We'd have to put someone from probably from uh, Game of Thrones in there. But those are throw... British people. Are we doing British? Oh, or... that's true. What about Suki Stackhouse from uh, that show? In books is... from True Blood. No, let's not do that. That sounds. But she like... would be the vampire person. All right, that's fine. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. <laughs> Twist my arm about it. All right, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, is there anything else that you had about the film or about improvements that we could make or anything about this theme in general that we are concluding? No, I, I just, it's... It feels like there are a lot of extenuating circumstances to most of these films that were reasons that they didn't work. And some of them worked a lot better than others. Mm. Um, some of them just had a couple tweaks, but, um, I think we ended on like the worst one. Oh, absolutely. We did. Yeah. Uh, but. Well, just, I mean, we didn't record on one of them, so. Do the, just do the book. Uh, <laughs> just do the book. It's just frustrating because this whole theme is like, it's like seeing the trailer and then going to watch the movie and having your expectations so high and just being horribly disappointed. Mm-hmm. So, I so out of our films, so we had Identity, In Time, uh, The Invention of Lying, John Carter, and then this film. Which one would you say is your favorite? Favorite as in... Like, if you had to sit down and watch another one of the movies again, which one would you pick? Oh, Just as uh, is. Probably John Carter. Okay. <laughs> what? That's really funny, because that's the first one that I went to, too. Just because it's easy to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it didn't do all the things that it was supposed to do, it's not hard to watch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, this is hard to watch because you're like, oh, ugh. And Invention yeah. of Lying, we talked about that. Like, there are just so many frustrating things in that, too. Um, I would go, here's, I would go, John Carter is, I mean, it's still far off, but I think what they produced is still something you could watch and enjoy. Yep. I think then Identity would be the next closest. Yep. Agreed. And then I would think it's in time, in time. for me. Yep. And then Invention of Lying and then this pile. Yep. I uh, unfortunately agree with you. <laughs> I know. We're agreeing way too much these okay, days. Okay. So here's here's a fun question for you then. Out of all of those, which one do you think that 
that you could have remade better? Oh, in time, without a doubt. That's one okay. of the things that I'm like actively wanting to work on and just sort of can't get out of my own way to do. Like I have, uh, and, and this is actually next week when Alan and I talk about some, uh, some Marvel Cinematic Universe with Fantastic Four and, and the first Deadpool film. Alan. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. And he's, he's waiting on a script for me actually, but we talk about Fantastic Four and what an absolute train wreck it is. And the how, new one? Yeah, the, the 2015 one. Okay. And about how it's just one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. And about how the movie could be so easily fixed into a Netflix Daredevil-style miniseries. Right. And, and so then that's what I'm working on currently, like... With no illusions that it's going to to make it to that point or anything, just for sure. something just to do. To, yeah, just to do it, yeah. And then as soon as I'm done with that, then I'm going to do the same thing for for In Time. Because I think we had talked, and, you know, not to toot our own horns, but I thought we ha- came up with several good ideas on the way that that movie could have been improved. On In Time? Yes. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, yeah, you could have an entire episode about the cops you could have an entire thing about this guy and, and oh, about yeah. the guy from yeah Mad there's Man. so many because it's a brand new universe with its own rules so mm-hmm. you get to make them and you get to create whatever rules you want yeah and there's yeah. just so much to do and it's the same thing with the fantastic four it's like the the only thing that's stopping me now is there's so many stories it's like okay well how much is too much to cram into one season and how you know being inexperienced in the screenplay universe how uh, much am I putting in per script and that kind of stuff. Right. And right. so that's been my current excuse that I'm writing pretty hard. Um, but yeah, so th- that's kind of the way that I would rank those those films. I think that uh, In Time is the closest. What about for you? Which one do you think that if you had to sit down and write it out that you would be most successful with? Um, I don't know about successful. I think I would have the most fun with the two that were the worst, either Invention of Lying or this one. Yeah, I was going to say Invention of Lying for sure, because I know that you love writing smart-ass characters. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Write you, what you know, isn't that how it That's works? right. <laughs> and so if you had the opportunity where everyone was completely earnest all the time and no one knew how to lie and one dude did, oh, God. I think that would... you could just go to town on that. I agree. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that's what I think is nice about this uh, this series is it gives us sort of like, it's a little bit of a kick in the butt of, oh, well, you know what, just go do that then. Or go start writing some of this then. Well, can't someone else do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone else do it and then I'll just edit it? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I'll just this edit it by saying, nah, this isn't very good. I'll edit it and then put my name on it. It'll be fine. Yeah, so those I'm... are my notes. Uh, make yeah. it funnier, like 10% funnier. That's what I'm looking 10, for. 15. Look, 15. <laughs> looking for about 10 more jokes. Don't talk about God in it, for the love oh, of Oh, yeah. For crying out loud. Don't do that whole storyline in the third act. No, oh, like, my goodness. So that's what I'm going to do tonight is I'll come up with an outline for that, and then I'll find the best American literary characters to put in the League of Extraordinaries. <laughs> that's right. The League of Extraordinary Americans. <laughs> It'll be like... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's kind of like when we, many moons ago, with uh, Miss Courtney Lever, who is about to be married soon, by the way. Good. If she, it's when we talked about uh, American, American Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> That's still that's still something that I haven't thrown away yet. Oh, I love it with the duct tape wand and all that stuff. <laughs> Wasn't it like yeah, it's like his southern cousin Chet or something. <laughs> oh, that is really good. That's funny. And what I like about that is like it's funny to me, but it's not like beyond the realm of possibility of a thing, you know? Right, right. It, I have to like, team up with like Douglas Adams or something to. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's that sort of tone, it would have been. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, anything else before uh, we bid adieu this evening? No, we bid okay. bomb voyage. <laughs> bomb voyage. God, that's got to be the worst thing written. Oh, and I should mention, one of the things that's unfortunate is, you know, we've really been kind of picking at the screenplay, right, of the writers of these different films. And... When you look at who wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I'm like, oh, it's just going to be some hack and some guy I've never heard of. And it's James Robinson, who has a lot of comic book credits and a lot of things that he's written that I really genuinely enjoyed. And a lot of like, he wrote a book called Starman, which I really enjoy. And it's very, very character driven. And I just don't understand what happened. Like, I don't know if it was a studio interference kind of situation. Or Sean Connery. Or Sean Connery. Or if it's a, if it's a here's what you're going to do. Right. Kind of a screenplay. Yeah. Or what. But he, I mean, he's genuinely, I feel like a good writer. He's kind of like a real hit and miss for me, though. Like, some of the stories I really enjoy and some of them are like, no, nah, that one's not for me. But... It's kind of unfortunate because this is like his his big thing that he's done, and it's awful. If he wrote Bomb Voyage, then I don't like him. <laughs> I feel I like think that would have been ad libbed. Yeah, I, it, that very well could be. I think that if I loaned you the first uh, like deluxe edition of Starman, you would quite enjoy it. Okay. So, cool. but it's pretty good. It's it's not he's not quite of a dense writer like Alan Moore is, but. You know, he's from the UK. He seems to have... He's born around the same time as Alan Moore, so I'm assuming he has all of the same... He's also a wizard. <laughs> so I'm assuming he has the same familiarity with all of the, the uh, you know, British characters that Alan Moore's writing about. Got it. It just didn't... It just didn't work out for him. If you have any comments for the show or movies that you think that we should talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter under the handle at plainlabelpod. We also have a Facebook page and an account over at Instagram. You can follow both of those just by searching Plain Label Podcast. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes. And there you're going to find our Amazon wish list, which include things such as a microphone and headset for Rachel, in case... She ever wanted to do that, you know. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. And next week, I'll be joined, like I mentioned before, by Mr. Alan White. And we're going to be discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe Fox style with a discussion on the film's Fantastic Four and the original Deadpool. Deadpool.